Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week are my two astonishing co-hosts, because Astonishing X-Men was one of my favorite X-Men runs, uh, Liz Harper and Joe Perez. Uh, if you guys were mutants, what kind of mutant would you be, Joe? Uh, Spider-Man. He's a mutant. He's I, don't a mutant. I don't care what I don't care what he's a, he's caused by mutation. Calling it. <laughs> Liz? Mm, Shadow Cat. She was always my favorite back in the day. Yeah, she has a really cool power set, and she had a really cool oh, personality. Yeah. I actually really like Kitty. What about, um, you? what about you, Matt? Oh, um, yeah. Here's the thing. Here's where I admit that I am super uncool. I am a Cyclops fan. There's nothing uncool about Cyclops. Uh, I like Cyclops. Uh, I always did. Um, I especially liked the one issue of the comic back in the day where he basically realizes everybody on the team has been completely traumatized by fighting a reality warper. And so he deliberately picks a fight with Wolverine just to get everyone focused on how much he's being a jerk. So they stop being focused on how they were just traumatized. I've always liked Cyclops's analytical tactical mind. I, I think he's really cool. We could, we could, um, we could always have a podcast entirely about Cyclops. Cause I will be on that one. Absolutely. Underrated. Yes. <laughs> Underrated. Here comes the comic book uh, podcast. <laughs> we're never going to do anything but podcasts anymore. <laughs> but yeah, uh, to do this podcast that we're doing now, the Blizzard Watch one, um, got some stories to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about actually is something that happened this week. Uh, a couple of Activision Blizzard employees who are contract employees, uh, believe they work in um, you know in QR. Uh, they talked about this. It's been tweeted out. I have not seen anything from Activision on this. I've only seen the workers tweet this. So yeah, because it was an internal memo. Yeah, I am pretty sure that they wouldn't lie about it because it, but why would they? Uh, but basically, the temp workers now have you know they've got Thanksgiving and winter breaks off and paid time off. That which is which is good. Um, they increased their minimum hourly rate for all temporary employees to $17 per hour. On January 1st, 2022, all temporary workers will also receive 13 paid holidays each year. Um, their agency partners have agreed to match the sick paid time off that they offer to Blizzard temporary employees, increasing the number of accruable sick time to nine days each year. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because that's not a lot. Like on the one hand, it's good that they got this. I'm gl- I'm glad that they managed to, through collective action to get these changes made. But think about this: seventeen an hour as the minimum hourly rate for people who, in most cases, have to live in Irvine, California. You want to know what's like, even worse about that? You said something oh, that yeah. I did, I missed when I was reading this earlier. Uh, the the part where their agency is going to match the sick time. So if they're mm-hmm. from, if they're being done through like a staffing agency that like if you've never worked as somebody who got positioned by a staffing agency, if it's contract work through that, that means Blizzard pays a huge sum to the contract agency and the contract agency is actually the one like paying the 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 end person. And it gets real weird with extra layers and all sorts of other crap. Oh, like, yeah, it's not. great. So I'm wondering if that's what's happening too with these ones, because the other thing like. Other Blizzard temporary employees get this stuff, but the contract employees didn't, which makes me think they are done through a staffing agency. So, you know, wow. for a fact, they're done through a staffing agency in some cases. This that's, is just something that's been talked about already. Yeah, they, they, that's they use that. Worse. That's even yep. worse. Holy hell. Okay, I'm done. I'm by, sorry. My, by my understanding, some of some of the contract workers are through Blizzard and some of them are through staffing agencies. Yes, absolutely. There, okay. There's and, not, there's no there's no you can't make a uh, you know they use everybody through staffing and you can't say everybody is employed by blizzard they have a mix especially i think it's qa and cs workers uh they they have different different tiers that 
they use in different ways. I am not working there, so I can't give you for details on it, but the, yeah, absolutely. And the fact of that is, you know, this is not, this is a good thing. It, it is, is good it is that good they thing. got this through. Absolutely. It's good. I think we all agree on that, but it is woefully insufficient. It is not enough. Um, the idea of you get 13 paid hour paid holidays each year and nine days for sick time. You want to know nine the sad, days. You want to know the sad thing? That's better than the average in the United States. Most corporate, most corporate structure only yeah. gets 10 days and seven days of sick. Like I'm just, yeah, throwing, I'm just throwing it out there. Sorry. <laughs> like particularly for temporary workers, you are not in a good position. You know, you may be coming and going at any time and you, they usually get the worst pay and the worst benefits. So, I mean, this is a big win for temporary workers. Even if this isn't a living wage, this is a big step ahead. Even if they aren't getting a lot of sick days, even if they aren't getting a lot of holidays, they're getting, you know, a lot more than they are before. But of course, one thing I do notice is that we have heard a lot of talk about Blizzard employees being underpaid, not temporary or contract workers, but employees. And we have not heard anything about that, about Blizzard working to resolve pay discrepancies between men and women that have been reported, or, you know, just low, uh, increasing their wages in general, because they're kind of low on the industry side. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be... That's something we've been hearing for years because yeah. you'll notice a lot of times people leave Blizzard to go work somewhere else and often come back to Blizzard to get a raise because yeah. it's the only way Blizzard likes to give raises is to give them to people who leave them for somebody else. And that's just known of. It's talked about at the, at the company. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of like, you that's know, tech industry in general. it's kind of like your internet subscription. If you want a discount on your internet subscription, you like have to go to a different company and then you have to switch back and you do that like every two years. And that's the only way to get a good deal on internet service. Or cable yeah. TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is news that we wanted to put out there because it is good news. Uh, it is yeah. a sign that things are going in a good direction. Momentum but at the in same the time, direction, yeah. Yeah. At the same time, it's not enough. It doesn't address, you know, the, the discrepancies Liz is talking about in terms of like um, gender based pay inequality, uh, discriminatory group. Uh, pay inequality, people being passed over for promotions, all that stuff. And it, it is certainly not sufficient for their temporary workers either. I think for the fact, Blizzard, I'm going to just say it, we, needs to use a lot less staffing agencies and needs to employ a lot more people directly uh, because it's not like they don't have the money to do it. Uh, the, using a staffing agency like this, there's a lot of, of stuff about that that is not great. Um, but yeah, that, that happened. That's, that's good news to hear. Hopefully it will continue. Definitely want to hear more. Um, the other thing I'm going to mention really quick is, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, this week, Netflix, uh, debuted the arcane series, which is a league of legends kind of animated TV show for lack of a better word, or yeah. as I like to call it, the thing that overwatch should have done, but didn't for <laughs> some inexplicable reason, even though people have been saying it for literal years, um, but I don't have any, this is not me nagging on Arcane. I don't have any problem with it. I think it's really a lot of people that I trust have said it's really good. So, you know, great. It has, the highest, it has the highest IMDb rating for a Netflix original series. Yeah, it's, you know, nothing but positive things for it. But I keep looking back on the past, you know, decade and looking back at Overwatch's entire thing. Um, I remember even being, Dota has an anime right now, by the way. Yeah. Dota. Yeah, and Dota's anime is actually also apparently pretty good. Yeah, uh, from what I've heard about it, uh, people like it. 
But the thing about this is, like, I'm going to keep saying it. Um, I remember sitting in Blizzard Watch. I'm not sitting in Blizzard Watch. Sitting at BlizzCon in 2019 mm-hmm. when the Overwatch 2 trailer showed. Now I don't play Overwatch because I can't. I get motion sick. It, it just it is not a game I can play. So I don't. And yet, I honestly, there is a moment in this thing where I legit teared up over Genji. Genji, a person who has no personality. And yet, actually, he does. He actually has quite a personality for a half robot. And it's it's just, these are the people who made people cry over a robot and it's bird. If you remember the Bastion show, mm-hmm. they, they have done some amazing things. And to see Blizzard and see Activision in particular, who is constantly talking about doing media tie-ins, and yet never does them. You mean like our missing comic books? Yes. Or yeah, the comic books that they, you know, they solicited that they hired Marv Wolfman to write and then nothing. Uh, I, I'm going to say this. It's one of the things that is baffling to me about this company is how afraid it is of doing things that would make it money. And I, I don't, this, this seeing, seeing Arcane really drove it home that other companies are going to do it if you don't do it. And I heard Liz talking, so I want to shut up. Well, I, mean, I was just going to mention that there were also rumors of a Diablo anime or some kind of animated series. There was even uh, a TV trailer past. for it. Was there? I don't yeah, remember that one. They, they showed like a brief like like a style clip or whatever at the one BlizzCon, like when they announced that they were going to do a Diablo series. Like there was like mm, there was like a no. teaser thing or whatever it was for it. I remember. I, I don't. I don't remember. It might have been storyboards. I don't remember. Yeah, I think you yeah, remember it was the storyboards, but they there was there was straight up. Liz is completely correct. There was not just there were like rumors. There were pretty strong rumors. There were yeah. trademark filings. There were people who were like known for having been showrunners who said, "Yeah, I'm attached to this," and yet nothing. And I'm I mean, sorry. Wonder, Go ahead. I wonder if they've just had problems getting these projects off the ground because this is like not. It, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they must because they keep, you know, saying or like hinting that they're doing these things and they they never actually happen. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering if it has anything to do with just like people not being able to take over the project because like you need somebody to sort of run it as a liaison from the company. You need somebody who kind of like kind of I don't want to say it like oversees it, but like is there to answer the questions. Like when we talked with uh, Anne, uh, when she was on for the 200th episode and we talked about her experience and we talked about what her job is and how it relates to the rest of like the company, that's just internal. Like people go to the historians and go to them to like find like in cross-reference everything to make sure things are good. And when you're running other projects, like we and Matt and I have talked about this in the past for sure. Like we've seen books that have gone completely off the rails. Uh, there was a point and, and I'll, I'll bring it up just because I think it's, it's one of my favorite most hilarious memories because I'm not his hugest fan, but like Richard Knack was the reason that writers started getting like uh, outlines given to them. So they didn't just randomly create new characters inserted (laughs) into the lore. Looking at you, Ronan. Um, Like they, they, they started trying to rein that in a little more tightly. And I think maybe they just don't have people to stick on it. Cause I think in the past, like Metzen would have been the go-to for it. He's not there anymore. Right. Well, they have people. There are people in charge of that kind of thing, but I do definitely think there's something going. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I just wanted to mention that because it, it really got to me. Like sitting, sitting here, seeing that happen, and thinking this, you could absolutely have done this yourselves. There's oh, yeah. no reason you couldn't have done this. Um, and like I said before, I, I that Overwatch two trailer, just astonishing. Uh, and and people, Liz wanted to talk about. Um, covenant swapping in 9.1.5 so i want to i want to get to that um 
So I should have just segued to that instead of doing what I just did, which was really weird and messy. Anyway, Liz, covenant slopping at nine point one point five because I am actually real curious about this because I'm 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 a pretty much an Arden Wheel diehard on this yeah. character, but uh-huh. I've got a Kyrian that I'm really not playing because the Kyrian are just not doing it for me. So share with me your wisdom so I can figure out if I'm going to switch to Necrol. Um. Well, if you were listening to the pre-show, we were talking about choices in video games, and I'd actually mentioned that I wasn't a huge fan of the system in Mass Effect Andromeda because it let you just swap between anything, and it felt like you didn't have a defined class. I liked making that defined class choice. But on Covenants, like the longer this system has been out, and it's only been out a week now, um, the more I enjoy being able to just have this choice Uh, Like, I play a holy paladin, and from the beginning of Shadowlands, I felt really locked into the Kyrian Covenant. I know all the world first raiders play Vinthyr Paladin, which is a bit more complicated playstyle. You have to time your cooldowns better. Perfect for world first raiders, maybe less perfect for me. Um, But now I have the choice to just swap whenever I want to. Anytime. And uh, our last raid night, I actually went as Vinthyr, and I don't think it went as well as when I was playing as Kyrian, but I got to go in and have that experience and play this, to- this you know, different play style. And the really interesting thing about switching to Vinthyr that I've been thinking about is that when you're a Kyrian Holy Paladin, you're really locked into a specific playstyle because Kyrian's, you know, signature ability for ho- for paladins is to cast like a bunch of holy shocks. You just holy shock everywhere on a one minute cooldown. It casts like five of them. It's great, um, but that sort of pushes you into a build that is totally about holy shock. It defines your legendary. It defines all of your, uh, well, at least some of your conduits. It defines your talents. And when I swapped over to Vinthyr, I was just using the same talents I always use. But I started really thinking that, hey, now that I'm not Kyrian, now that I'm not, I don't necessarily have to rely on Holy Shock as much. I could switch up my talents. I could swap out my legendary. And I could really change up my playstyle because I'm leaning into this Vinthyr ability. And I don't have to have all these Holy Shock talents. And I could do something completely different with the same character and that is something i really genuinely never thought about very seriously because i started out kyrian because it seemed like the most practical choice and you know it was a pain to switch so i never never until 915 switched and i didn't i didn't realize how freeing it would be to be able to swap just on the fly and it's really interesting because it does, at least for some covenants, like really unlock new ways to play just by making the switch. And it's nice that I could go and go to raid and say, okay, tonight I'm being Vinthyr and I'll see how having this big Ashen Hollow cooldown can help us through some of these tough phases. And, uh, you know, uh, our next raid night, which is tomorrow, I'm going to go as Kyrian because I think my Kyrian playstyle has a little better healing overall and i think that's probably more useful than having those huge cooldown bursts um but i i like making that choice and matt if you have not messed with the covenant switching system it is so easy and if you change your mind 
it is so easy to go back. I heard that the they guilt th- you. They do guilt trip you. They guilt trip you. But that's it. That's the that's the only hard part. You you want to swamp? You go and you talk to someone, and it's like you click a button, confirm. Okay, now you're a different covenant. You just go to Oribos, talk to a guy, bang, you're a different covenant. And you want to go back? You go to Orbos, talk to a different guy, bang, you're a different covenant. Um, and there is now an item you can buy that will throw you instantly up to 40 renown. I will note that you have to have 80 renown on one character on your account to be able to buy this. But uh, if you want to switch covenants, this is great. You can get halfway to max. There is also a token you can buy to transfer anima to alts or transfer it to different covenants that you pay a a thousand anima for this token and you cash it in for a thousand anima with a different covenant or on one of your alts. And it's just, it's, it's really seamless. So the only thing that would make it more seamless is if the vendor that sold the renowned 40 thing and the anima thing were like actually in the area with all the covenant people, which it's not, it's by the flight master for some reason, but it's super easy and it's unlocked a lot of options that I just never really considered because I felt, you know, locked in one covenant. And I'm, I'm really enjoying being able to, to like try different things and go in different directions. The only downside of it is like, now I'm really thinking about huh, how to Venthyr Holy Paladins, how should I play this? And now I'm like, well, step one, I need a new legendary, and that's going to be a pain if I actually do that, because I don't enjoy Torghast. Yeah. Um, well, that's definitely making me think about going Necrolord on that character, because I'm I'm really not enjoying Carrion for that character at all. It has not worked out the way I wanted it to. So well, yeah, that's it's, pretty cool. It's it's so easy. Like, if you, you can go, and if you change your mind, you decide, hey, I don't like Necrolords, you can go and switch to something else, and it's just, it takes a couple clicks. Done. Cool. All right. I think at this point we're going to move on and uh, do some questions because last week we didn't get a lot of them done. Uh, that was my bad. There was Well, also the world had a lot of news going on. But uh, if you have a question for the show, as is always the case, uh, you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Or you can go to our Discord server and we've got the Patreon patron Q and podcast questions channel for people who are patrons because they pay for us to be able to do site and we like to let them get a little reward for that but if you can't support us on patreon for whatever reasons we understand and we do still want to hear from you so we've got the uh the q questions channel as well which will allow you to ask us questions for this or other podcasts it, it is really helpful if you put in your uh email if you're sending an email that which show it's for um or sometimes you know we end up stealing questions from each other and it, it gets kind of awkward and, and, <laughs> or sometimes I do it on purpose because Joe did it this week and I'm like, ah, and I do it on fine. purpose because Matt did it the week before. It's, it's fine. Yeah. It's a, it's a vicious cycle. Um, but yeah, uh, at this point I'm going to ask Joe to read the first question. Sure. Uh, this one comes from our friend Jack Jack question for the pod. What are your takes on the delay news? How can we as fans better moderate our expectations for releases, especially amid COVID turmoils and the ActaBliz specific issues? This is something we've talked about and we've been talking about since Anne was on the show. Uh, even beyond that, we have this, I don't want to say nasty tendency, but like there's this weird thing where we start to expect a specific rhythm of release uh, from companies in general, 
and I don't know if this is because, you know, at one point in time, we as uh, gamers were used to getting a brand new uh, Assassin's Creed every single year uh, or, you know, a an expansion every 1.5 years on the dot or whatever the case was, um, or a brand new game every two to three years, depending on what the game studio was. I, I think that we always have a mixed expectation because of that. And I think tempering our expectations is probably going to be best moving forward, especially for the near future. Because not only are do we have the COVID issues that we're, we're going to be constantly dealing with, supply chain issues do affect game development as well. Um, case in point, like, let's say, and this is something people don't think about, uh, as technology increases and you get more tools available to you, uh, sometimes your older hardware can't handle it. So if you're working on a game and the hardware that you're, you're using in the office can't support the tools you're doing effectively, and you can't go out and replace it because your average lead time for a brand new computer in an enterprise situation is conservatively six months if you're lucky, uh, maybe, and then longer on average. There's so many different factors that are going to cause development to start to get pushed back, working from home, offices closing down, limited uh, like uh, availability of technology, and we're just going to have to start looking at it. And I think we just have to accept that the things that we want, if we want them to be good, are going to have to, they're going to suffer. They're going to be pushed back a little bit. And I think we need to remind ourselves, and this is my own two cents, if we really want this game to be good, we have to be okay with waiting. I personally am fine waiting longer for a game if it means that the game's not going to crash every 10 seconds I try to load. So, I mean, and look at Diablo. I'll use Diablo 2 as an example. It was not a perfect launch. It still has its own problems. A lot of people can play it, but I know somebody personally who still can't play the remaster. They can't play it. They're, they have a, a brand new system. It's up to spec. For whatever reason, there's just one specific thing that just doesn't work. So, like... Even when you take time, it's not going to be perfect, but it's better than what it could have been. So what do you guys think? Liz, you want to go? I think another big thing to think about here is crunch. Mm-hmm. A I lot of video crunch games... so good that you're doing my thing and I don't have to talk. <laughs> uh, a lot of video games are built with crunch time in mind where you have developers working, you know, 60, 70, 80 hour weeks to like meet deadlines and get things done. And it's, you know, it's really bad for the employees at these game companies. And it's just it's just bad for the workforce. And I think having stressed out developers is just it's not good for games. And expecting developers to put in these crazy crunch hours with every game release is impractical. That is a straight road to burnout. So I think particularly as right now, we're talking a lot more about worker rights. And, um, you know, we're talking about pay, we're talking about vacation time, we've talked about that in this podcast. We really need to think about crunch as well, and how, you know, crunch is not good for gaming. And in the past, crunch time has made games meet deadlines. And sometimes if you crunch to get those games out, they're not good games. And you burn the people out too, so, you know, lose-lose. So I really think we have to go back to the thinking of the old school Blizzard thinking that they're going to release the game when it's done. Mm-hmm. They're going to, yeah, they're going to finish the game and then they're going to release it. They're not going to set an arbitrary date. I admit the games they've talked about being delayed are Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4, I believe. That is and, correct. And uh, I, I am pretty bummed out about Diablo 4. I am 
super looking forward to Diablo 4, but I would rather have a good Diablo 4 than a fast Diablo 4. So if they need more time, then we we wait as patiently as we can. Uh, and just, it's going to be a better game, and it's going to be better for the employees working there. And I think it's a win all around, except for the people who are just really, really counting on that game. There are yeah. other games. There are always other games. I, I think, too, there's, there's two things I want to mention, one of which isn't really crunch-related, but I'm just going to say this up front. Diablo 4 lost three, two big employees recently. Mm-hmm. The, the lead designer of the game and the main you know, quest designer both left uh, under a cloud of suspicion. Uh, quite frankly, we don't know why they were let go. We were not told why they were let go. It's been implied why they were let go, that they, that they were involved in harassment in some fashion, but we don't know. Um, but they're gone. And meanwhile, Overwatch, I mean, Jeff Kaplan left. Then his replacement, his, essentially his replacement, the producer who was doing everything, left. Um, Michael Chu left last year. There's been a lot of leaving. Um, and it, it will affect the game's release time. Mm-hmm. You just One of the things that we've learned from, from seeing this in the past is people are always like, well, why can't they just put more people on it and get it to come out faster? That's actually why we had such a content drought at the end of Warlords of Draenor, because they doubled the team size. You're like, wait a minute. Why would doubling the team size make the game come out slower? Because you have to train those people. You have to get them up to speed on how you make the game. You have to get them familiar with the practices and and policies that they are expected to work under. And that takes time. It is impossible to get a big team moving without inertia. There is things will have to be overcome. People will have to learn things. It's just the nature of the beast. You can't just slap a hundred people on something and say, okay, now it'll be twice as fast. Will it be fast in a year? Yeah, it'll probably be faster in a year, but there's always going to be that period of adjustment. And when people leave who are in big, who are in like important roles and new people have to step in and take over, there's a period of adjustment. And that's what we're seeing right now with, with those two games. And it is unavoidable. It, as Autoluke points out in chat, it's something called Brooks Law, which is the observation about software project management, where adding more manpower to a late software project makes it later. Because you, like Matt said, got to bring them up to speed. And there's another thing about that. We, Liz was talking about crunch. And I think this is something that we, we often don't realize. A lot of times crunching doesn't speed anything up. Mm-hmm. What crunching does is it basically allows you to repair the damage that you you've you've had beforehand. Um, one of the really big examples is Dragon Age Inquisition. I don't know if you guys had gotten to read there was the really big Kotaku article about Inside Bioware and specifically Dragon Age Inquisition. And Dragon Age Inquisition, the game that released, bore almost no similarity to Dragon Age Inquisition, the game as it was being designed. Mm-hmm. Like much of that game came in through crunch development at the end when they were like, this isn't working. Everything we've done doesn't make sense. We have to go back to blank slate and start over and crunch our way back up to being where we should be. That is horribly unsustainable. It is just not something you can do. And almost all crunch is, is a result of what we call bad management, bad time management, bad resource management. It's not, People have this myth that crunch is just gotta have it. You gotta do it. It's how the, it's how this works. No, it isn't. It is because people didn't know what they were doing ultimately, or made poor decisions. 
you know, people in charge essentially yep. that didn't didn't know what they were doing. Not the people actually making the game, but the people who are deciding what the priorities are. Uh, a lot of times, the money people who like you tell them we need to do this, and they're like, "No, we're not going to do that. You're not budgeted for that. You can't do yeah. that." It's like, um, but we have to. Uh, eventually, we're going to do it because eventually you're going to realize this game isn't going to happen if we don't. And now you're going to try and crunch our way through it. That kind of thing. The other thing to keep in mind too is this: uh, nothing is ever going to go as smoothly as you want it to go. Mm-hmm. And the idea of targets and and target dates, it's it's a nice theory. It's, it's a nice thing to have in mind, but it is better to to basically say, okay, look, we're not in a place where we can give you a release date on this. We don't know when it's going to release. We're still working on it. Which is why like most, ab- most game companies give you a ballpark. They don't give you a definite answer. Like Yeah, because look, they can't. They can't. So yeah, uh, in terms of us managing our um, expectations, we basically have to stop assuming something is around the corner until you're told it's around the corner. When, when they actually put a release date out, things can still go wrong. Uh, I, I like Cyberpunk 2077. It was one of my favorite games of the year. But did you see what happened with its development? That was a <laughs> clown car on fire. So you just you you have to start being like, you know, okay. And when they actually put it out, pretty much when it comes out should be when you're like, oh, good, it's coming out. You shouldn't get too excited about it, especially the case of like the Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4, which had no release date. They were like, maybe 2022. Now they're like, maybe 2023. Don't, don't go thinking that these games are on the corner. No one has told you that. And, and it's understandable. I want Diablo 4 so bad that I'm hallucinating it. Like I'm, I'm hanging around my house going, oh, I'm going to go play Diablo 4. Oh, wait a minute. I can't. I'm just going to have to you know, solace myself with one of the other Diablo games that I currently have, like Diablo 2 or Diablo 3 or possibly Diablo Immortal if that ever comes out. Um so yeah, it, it is understandable, but ultimately we're going to have to manage our expectations. We're going to have to not get too excited about things until they are there, uh, in my opinion. But uh, do either of you have anything else you want to add? No, I think we've covered it from my end. Liz? No, we're good. Just be patient. That's all we can do. Yep. All right. Next question here. I'm going to read this one because I like okay. it. Okay. <laughs> um, and also because it's kind of to me. It, but your, I want yeah, you, it calls you out. I, I, want, yeah. I want you guys' opinions as well. Uh, but this one is from... Actually, did you put your name on this? I do not see your name. Okay. Well, I'm just going to go for it. Oh, it's LED Soth. Okay, yeah, cool. Lord Soth. Watchers of the Grand Frozen Game Makers, you have dared us to inquire in ways that shift your gaze to other realms. I, LD Soth, have, a, have one for you. Given Rossi's and I'm gathering everyone else's uh, love of transmog, I'm curious as to how much FF14 he plays. With the transmog uh, system is clunkier than WoW, I find the options and appearances to be much more varied and interesting. I would love to hear everyone's take on FF14 transmog, especially in how it compares to WoW. So since you guys are also asked to give your takes, have either of you played it? And what do you think of its transmog system if you have? Uh, start with Liz. Nope, have not played it. So I cannot comment on this one. Okay, Joe. Uh, I have played it. Uh, I've played a good amount of it, uh, not nearly as much as some others. Uh, but the glamour system, it, it's it is interesting. It is a lot clunkier than WoW's. WoW probably has the the simplest as far as like ease of use or barrier for use uh, when it comes to it. Like when I first figured out how to do glamours in 
uh, Final Fantasy 14, I literally had to have my friend get on Discord and explain to me what I needed and where I needed to buy the items to do the glamours. That said, once you figure out the system, the breadth of what you can do between like changing colors, dyeing your outfits, uh, having things set up triggered for specific jobs, it is very robust. Uh, in terms of that. And as Corey points out, it, it still isn't as complicated as even Destiny 2's transmog, uh, which is also very, very true. Um, it's, it's not bad. It's just, it could be so much better because it was also one of those things that they added late. Like Final Fantasy 14 didn't have a glamour system right up, right up front. It wasn't one of the things that was in the original base game. Um, even when they relaunched, I don't think Final Fantasy or Realm Reborn had, I thought, I think it was added later, but it's not bad. It's just not great. Um, it's and now we'll go ahead. I was gonna say there are other games that kind of do it better uh, than Final Fantasy fourteen that nobody talks about. Uh, Guild Wars two has a fantastic transmog system and a dying system that's pretty easy to learn. And like literally, it's just if you could right click on your mouse, you can figure out how to make your outfit look like something else and change colors and everything else. Um, there are Diablo three probably has the best transmog system, which is. I think we're WoW stole theirs from, isn't it? They they were both developed around the same time. I don't think you could actually say one got stolen from the other. I'm saying steal with air quotes. No, I know. I'm just, I do get why you're saying that. In fact, that was going to be something I mentioned, but yeah. I'm just your question up front. I have never, and I mean never, played Final Fantasy IV. I never played either of the Final Fantasy MMOs. I have no interest in it. It's not because I, I'm just going to be up front. I don't like Final Fantasy. I never have. I didn't like Final Fantasy VII. I was a Xenogears guy. I was like, do we have to play? I don't want to play that one. This this JRPG is really good. How about Chrono Trigger? We can play that. And, you know, I was just never. Final Fantasy is not the game for me. And it, this is just a personal thing. It isn't like I'm sh- So many people like Final Fantasy XIV. I am sure it's a good MMO. Uh, y'all seem to love it. That's cool. I don't like it. I just don't like Final Fantasy. I don't like the aesthetic. I don't like the gameplay. It just has never been something I've enjoyed. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't want to get too stuck into too many MMOs as it is. I feel like this one MMO takes up a lot of my time. Yeah. And I'm, I, I got 500 game, uh, 500 hours on another game right now. So you <laughs> guess how much sleep I'm getting at the moment? Not a ton. Um, so yeah, that's so I haven't seen that transmog system. I was going to point out the Diablo three one because I think it is one of the best transmog systems mm-hmm. in any game. And in general, I mean, oddly enough, when I played DC uh, DC Universe Online, yes. it had a transmog system. It did, yeah, and, and it was really good. It was really simple. You just could, if you ever had a, a look, you could go equip it. Uh, it was real simple and really easy to do, and I liked it. Um, it was also very intuitive. Yeah. It just, you know, okay, I've, I've had this once, now I can use it. Um, I think any transmog system that doesn't have a, an ease of use factor um, kind of has a problem. And I, I do think that that's something I like I look for in my transmog systems. Uh, like, And I'll be up front. Uh, I remember when Assassin's Creed Odyssey came out, and I was playing it a lot. And everybody was like, oh, man, Rossi won't shut up about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And then, no, 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 no. This is still about that. Um, then at one point, there was an update to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. My wife found out about the update before me and tweeted, Oh my God, I'm never going to see him again because the update was transmog. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, she's right. When will I ever sleep or eat or do anything? (laughs) I'm just going to be dressing up my character in pretty outfits and getting those outfits. And that, you know, that is the case. Um, 
quite frankly, it was one of the best transmog systems I'd ever seen. And yeah, so certainly would like to see more transmog in more games. I think it's a great system, but uh, I have not played Final Fantasy fourteen. Luckily, Joe has because Liz and I had nothing for this. The, um, the, the, to turn it on its side, though, the one thing that I will say that I think is what kind of like Lord Soth is getting at here is if transmog could be updated uh, in WoW, at least, and I, I guess I'll pose the question to you guys. The one thing I personally would love to see them add is a dye system so I could change the color of certain things instead of having to collect all individual pieces and maybe have some varied colors that aren't pieces or set items so that I could, you know, just look different. I know that's a pipe dream, but if you guys could add one transmog effect or or some aspect of transmog to WoW, what would you add? I go, uh, Liz or me? I'll go with Liz, Liz first. Why not? Um, I'm I'm with you on dyes. One thing that I always have a problem with, you know, to give something other than just repeating what you have said about dyes, is uh like matching the specific colors of things. Oh yeah, when it's like it, it's not the exact red, but it's also red. Right. Yeah. Or it's like there are so many different shades of gold. Like there's the blood elf gold, which is like this really bright yellow gold. And then there's kind of the sort of tarish gold, and then there's bronzy golds, and it's just matching little details can be such a pain. Uh, I would really love if there were more like sorting options to help you find things, like sorting by color. And of course, this would require a not insignificant amount of work on Blizzard's part. I don't think it's going to happen because the game wasn't built with any of this in mind. Uh, but I mean, I really wish it was easier to find these things because sometimes I'll make a transmog and I'll spend like a half hour just going back and forth to try to say, okay, does this shade of brown match? Does this Is this shade of green right? Or is that just like off enough that it's going to drive me nuts every time I see it? Uh, so yeah, I wish it were just easier to put together outfits. I wish there were easier ways to search and find things. Matt? There is a sword model that exists in Alduar, but it does not exist in a drop. It is a model that NPCs have and only NPCs mm, have. Okay. There are quite a few of these throughout the game. Certain armor shades. There's an, there's a, an armor color, the, uh, wrath, the warrior tier two set wrath in, in, uh, in burning crusade, they had blood elves who were working for kale who had a red version of it. It only exists on these NPCs. It is available nowhere else. There are a lot of things like that. I want you them. wrote about this like years ago. I want to say like years twelve ago, years ago. Yeah. Twelve years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, I've I've had this one stuck in my craw since late Burning Crusade. Um, yeah, there's oh wow. Yeah. The idea of just all these different NPC models for for items and gear. There's a there's the Warrior Tier Ten uh, set. The, the Sanctified Ymir Yar. On players, if you are playing a, on, a, on a, a female character, it's a belly shirt. It's a plate belly shirt. It's like a bikini even. And your your abdomen, where we keep organs, is completely exposed. But there's an NPC in the Warrior Hall. Again, this is a, a female character. Her breastplate is the standard breastplate. And only she has this. None of the player, if you are playing like a you know a character in ga- in the game, you can't have it. Only this NPC has it. I want it. All these times you see like somebody, they've got a different color scheme or they've got a different, you know, just equipment that just straight up doesn't exist except on their character. No, 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 no. I want that. You, you find a way to give me that transmog. 
That's what I want. That's that would be my change. I think that's a good change because I forgot like a, a bunch of that stuff that exists. And you're right. There's there's some out there that like you just can't have, and it makes me angry. Yep, angers oh. up my blood. <laughs> Like, uh, the big one, in my mind, is, uh, you know, you have that Blood Elf heritage armor, which is, like, really spot on with a, with the look of the guards in Silver Moon City, but you don't have the sword and shield. You don't have anything very much like either of those things in the game that players can use. So yep. you can't quite get that essential Blood Elf look. Yeah, the the the, the particular glaive that they use, uh, the, the spellbreakers mm-hmm. in store in, uh I can't remember the name of the city. Silvermoon. Silvermoon. Silvermoon thank you. Uh, the, the the glaive that they use and that giant shield that they use. Yeah, nowhere yeah. in the game. You can't get it. No, that's ridiculous. No. If it exists as a model that, that you can put in an NPC, then it exists as a model that my character should be able to equip. Gimme, and, gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, absolutely. That That's my thing. But I think we've talked about this one enough. Um, so I'm going to move on to the next one. Do, do you guys want to read this? Yeah, Liz, you can read this one. It's from the Dravareth one. Okay, uh, I scrolled past it. Hello, Blizzard Watch team. Question for the main podcast. Which city, town, village on Azeroth would you like to see get a makeover in-game? Maybe with a new theme or style like Gadgatson in Mean Streets of Gadgatson in Hearthstone? And what would the new, what new stories would you like to see come from that refresh of old zones? Thank you all for the great site and podcast. Cheers, Draveneth, Laughing Skull, US. Um, I'm always big on seeing stories advance. And we've seen, we certainly saw this in Cataclysm when Blizzard went through and just updated everything. And you saw a lot of storylines moving forward. And they've done a lot more of this with phasing in recent years, where you have zones that progress and advance as you do things. And that's I think that's super cool that you see these changes. But there are also a lot of zones where there's nothing, nothing like that. Like, wouldn't it be cool if you could go to Darkshire and after defeating Stitches and kind of wiping out the undead and solving all of these problems... Maybe it's not quite as dark and creepy and terrifying. I know I really like the dark and creepy and terrifying aesthetic, but maybe you go through and you've like cleansed the place. You've like helped everybody out, and maybe maybe you've made the area a slightly better place, and it's not so terrible anymore. So I I would love to see zones get refreshes like that, or maybe get the addition of phasing of phasing like that, to where if you've done certain quests, you see a kind of different area. And there are just so many zones that they could do that in, even though they've been doing it quite a lot in recent years. There's a lot of places where you could throw in something like that and make it to where your changes, things you've done have a real visible impact on the game. I think that's just really cool, really satisfying to see. So what about you two? I'm going to throw it to Matt. Okay. Um, my my thing is that they kind of did it in Battle for Azeroth, but they didn't do it the way I wanted. <laughs> um, they gave us Stromgard back, and we now know that there's like Stromgard is now in Alliance hands. It's been rebuilt. As of the end of the expansion, we're told that the Alliance won the battle and is now holding uh, that whole area. The uh, you know the valley is now theirs, and that's you know I don't know what that means in terms of Hammerfall or what have you. I I don't know. That's my problem. I don't know. Like we we're 
we get this thing reintroduced. We see it happen. We we go in and we fight, you know, to 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 win the battle with your Horde Alliance. You still went in and fought, but there's no denouement. There's no feeling of okay, this is done. We we've advanced the story. We know what happened because we don't know what happened. We we kind of have some you know commentary from people who worked on the thing afterwards, but we don't see any of it. I want to see it. I want there to be. I'd love there to actually be like a completely revamped uh, Arathi now where you see it. This is what happened in the Highlands. This is the way it is now. The Horde doesn't have Hammerfall anymore. They've got like a, a few secret places where they're trying to reestablish their hold, but the place is in Alliance hands and you see it. And I want that for Darkshore. And I want that like for all the places that were like, you know, we saw get destroyed at the, the intro to burn battle for Azeroth. I want to see what Azeroth looks like post battle for Azeroth. Mm-hmm. I want to know, like, did the Vorgan go in and reclaim Gilneas when they were like, you know, since they, uh, forsaken got taken out entirely that did, did the forsaken go over and, and take over the Western plague lands? Like we're told that they did like, what don't just tell me about it. Show me like, have that be in the game. I feel like, Blizzard keeps thinking that they have to completely reinvent reinvent zones for like levels one to whatever that you have to completely revamp the zone. And it's like, no phase it. Yeah. Give us, give us like a higher level version of the zone. It can still be the way it was for like people just starting out. You don't have to change everything, but when they get to a certain point, the new version comes up. I, I, and I really want that for places like Stromgard for, I mean, dark, dark shore, Teldrassil, that area. Um, Hygel, since we're told that the, the night elves are now roosting up in Hygel, um, like the idea of, okay, why can't we see the new horde version of Suramar? You know what I mean? We never actually get it. It is like, it's there for a little slice. If you're playing a night, a nightborn character, you get a little sense of, okay, this is my, but you don't ever like really go there. You know, you, you don't really go back. It's not really home. I, I feel like these places, I would love to see them get developed. And now I throw the, the medicine ball over to Joe. It's the same thing. And and I'm on the same wavelength as you are, right? I think phasing technology is something that they could leverage for this. I understand that what we're asking for here is going to be something that is gobs of work. And it would be essentially another, if I have my way, another cataclysm level expansion where we get to advance the timeline. And there, because there's places that we've been dealing with for years that have never been fixed up or have never been revisited. I'll throw Silvermoon out there as an example. Silvermoon is still the same Silvermoon that it was at Burning Crusade. It has not changed, it has not updated, still has that ugly scar running down the middle of it. And now that there's a relationship between the Blood Elves and the Nightborn with all of their arcane magics, you can't tell me that there wouldn't be a, Hey, let's help you get your city back up and fully functional again. Right. Especially if the, the first arcanist and, and, uh, our, our lovely one-eyed, uh, not quite a pirate blood elf are spending a lot of time together. Why wouldn't she offer that? Or why wouldn't they do that? This is, you know, they're all one people. They were welcomed in, you know, they talked about loving that city and, and being welcomed in with open arms when you did the whole intro quest for them. But I'd like to actually see, you know, Silvermoon get restored. Like it's been how many years? 
Let's go ahead and do that. Same thing with, like, we say a little bit of Anderol with, like, some of the revamp that it's gone through. Continue developing that. Like, the, there's so many places where, like like Matt pointed out and, and like Liz pointed out, where we're told how the story advances, but we don't get to see it because the game the game is, quote unquote, limited to it. But Matt's right. Give us higher level versions of it or a phased version that continues the story. Because we see that they can do that. Look at look at in Battle for Azeroth. Look at Undercity. Look at that entire zone. You can roll that zone back. There's literally a a uh, bronze dragon you can talk to that you can say, "I want to go back to this version." The same thing with the Dark Portal. When we went through the Dark Portal of the Warlords of Draenor, there's that same NPC sitting at the one place where you can go and say, "I want to go back to the way it was before Warlords of Draenor happened." And then you can go to the area of the Dark Portal that. that was before that happened. Like we've seen that they can do it. Why not start doing it the other way instead of just going backwards in time, advance the story. Let us go back to those different points. You can still let players experience everything they need to experience, but we get more stuff. We get stuff from books that we've been reading about. We get things that we hear NPCs talk about that we can actually go and see and interact with. I, I honestly would love it, but if I had to pick one, I would say let's, it's about time. Let's, let's fix up silver. Okay. Uh, then I think we should move on to the next one, which means it's Joe's turn to read it. No, I got to remember where we were. Okay. Uh, this is for, well, it's for lore watch. Ah, Matt did it. <laughs> and there's a quotation here where it says, this is what happens when you steal a question, Joe. I steal one back. And thus it begins the cycle anew. Uh, where do we think the next WoW expansion will take the players? That's question number one. And question number two, where do you want the next expansion to take place? Please speculate as much as possible. Uh, so Matt, since you stole it, you get to talk. Um, I've, I've talked a lot about what I want the next expansion to be. What I think it's going to be. I have no idea. I straight up do not know what the next expansion is going to be. I don't know how you follow the field trip to Deathland. Like I, I seriously don't, I don't know what we come. I don't know if we come back and it's a hundred years later. I don't know if we come back and it's literally been 10 seconds and everyone's like, why are you so excited? I don't know. Um, that being said, I, I keep coming back to the same basic ideas, and that's why I don't want any of them to happen anymore. Like, I used to want the Dragon Isles, but I wanted the Dragon Isles and talked about the Dragon Isles so much. Now I'm like, nah, that's easy. Anyone can. Dragon Isles are obvious. Of course, they'll, they'll do something like that. And plus, the last several expansions, like Legion and Battle for Azeroth, were both, let's go to a bunch of islands. Um, I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, great. We went to a bunch of islands. We've done that. We've done that. And we've done that. I don't want to do that again. Uh, I want to do something else. I want to do something different and new. So in terms of what's going to happen, no idea. In terms of what I want, I want them to just straight up pull the trigger on the rest of the world and say like, oh yeah, Azeroth's way bigger than we thought. It's much bigger. The entire other side of the planet, there's a whole southern hemisphere you haven't even seen. There's just tons of more stuff. And just plop us down on a brand new continent we've never heard of with a whole bunch of people. Who, who have nothing to do with what we've done and are completely different and alternate and just strange and wonderful. Um, I would love it if we like went to a new, a new continent and they have like, there's this kingdom of trolls and humans who like each other and get along just fine. And they, they're like, you know, yeah, we're the, the troll human empire. And like, what trolls and humans getting along? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, then, the, then just go, go for it, do something different and new that I've not seen. And that is not, rooted in previous Warcraft games because my favorite parts of any Warcraft franchise are always the stuff that they introduce for that, for that game. 
Like I love Kalimdor and the Night Elves, who they introduced in Warcraft Three. Mm-hmm. They didn't exist in Warcraft One or Two. They were completely new. Nobody ever even heard of Kalimdor in the previous games, and suddenly here we are. Um, that's the kind of thing I want. I want them to just go nuts, just do something entirely new. Let's go to Walloon, and it turns out there's like Moon People. Like let's go to the moon <laughs> and explore moon people. I, I don't care. Uh, every time somebody says a loon, let's go to a loon. I keep thinking of oh, a loon's haunted. <laughs> I know, but every yeah, that's, that's that's my thing. Uh, let's go someplace we haven't been. Let's do something we haven't done. Uh, Liz, I'm gonna tag you. Um, I mean, you mentioned this, but I really like the idea of going back to Azeroth and like, whoa, now it's a hundred years later. Now it's five hundred years later. Now it's a thousand years later. This is something that kind of got mentioned like pre-Shadowlands and everyone sort of freaked out. I think Ian Hesacosta said something about time works differently and everyone was sort of freaked out. But I think it would be really cool to return to Azeroth and see, you know, hundreds of years have gone by while we've spent like a year in the Shadowlands or a month in the Shadowlands. Because like we've been talking about, that would let us advance the story we could, instead of going straight from this plot point to that plot point to that plot point, which, you know, it kind of drags, if that makes sense. Like, you kind of have to, everything has to be a single narrative, and it has to go at the specific speed. It has to go at the speed of the quest line and the speed of the There's never any stop or breathe. There's never any yeah, part where you get to say what what just happened. Okay, let's let's all everybody chill for a second and think about we just came back from Deathland. What what are we doing? You know, there's never any any moment to take a breath. And what if we come back from Deathland and it's a thousand years later and we have to learn a whole new Azeroth and it would let them make big sweeping changes to like these places that we're familiar with that we think we're familiar with. And I think that'd be really cool. Like Joe was just saying. You could go and completely remake Silvermoon and finally repair it and bring it back to its former glory because, you know, a thousand years from now, of course they're going to have figured this out. I hope they figured this out in a thousand years. I mean, um, in a thousand years, the mechanomes are going to be taking over. That's just how this is going to go. We already know it, this. Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, but yeah, just let's fast forward and move into a new generation of Warcraft that's, you know, we're. Everything could be different. Everything about the story could be different. All of the bad lines could have changed. The Alliance and the Horde could have become one faction. Now there are five new factions that we've never heard of. And, you know, you could go you could go nuts. You could go nuts. And I think that would be a lot of fun. There's probably some stuff you need to leave static because we're all familiar with certain stuff. We're all familiar with certain play mechanisms. But you could really shake it up in some interesting ways. Yeah, there's there's a ton of options that they could do, but when we talk about where we can go in the next expansion, I, I hate to take the the short route, but listen to Lore Watch. <laughs> uh, obviously, this question was originally slated for Lore Watch, so I'm sure you have, but we've talked about this a lot, and there's a lot of different options out there, and there are some people that are trying to that are that are thinking that. Uh, some of the store mounts we get are predictive of where we're going to go in the next expansion. Um, I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. I am looking forward to Kitty Cat Land. I would be if we <laughs> if, if next expansion was World of Warcraft All Cats Edition, I'd still be in. Um, but still like, be listen. in. <laughs> I know people can come <laughs> back for that. <laughs> but listen, I'm just 
I just have to interrupt you and say if the next expansion is Kitty Cat Land because we've had a cat mount, I want my puppy dog land because we had uh, we had the puppy dog mount, mm-hmm. the shoes in, way back when. We did not get a puppy expansion following that. And if we're going to get a cat expansion, not cool. Not many, cool. Many, many moons ago. Dogs would have I, we're going we're to come back to Azeroth, and it's going to be a war between like a tabaxi-like race and a race of corgis. Uh, like a like a cork tars <laughs> or whatever, and like the centaurs of is, they're no longer centaurs. Corgan. They're, now, they're, they're the corgan. They're the corgan, and now you have the corgan versus the, the the tabaxi, and they're just like kind of fighting each other. And like corgan, we just but they in. got really cuddly. And yeah, <laughs> what happened to you guys in a thousand years? Well, after uh, a thousand years of war, we decided to be cute. <laughs> <laughs> Give us belly rubs. Um, but I mean, they could do whatever they wanted with it. I personally, and, and this is maybe an unpopular opinion, I hope we don't jump a whole lot of time um, because I kind of want to tie up loose ends before something like that happens. I think it'd be far more fun to lose a whole bunch of time if we were to like go spiraling through the void or something like that and then come back to like a hundred years have passed. And, and see something like that happen. But who knows? Who knows what the future will bring? Uh, they can throw me an absolute curveball. I know they have a plan because Steve, and I know you listen to this podcast too, taunts us with this. <laughs> they have a plan. We just don't know what it is. And they, they love reminding us of that. <laughs> I, I will say that one of the other ideas I have before we move on, because we kind of are getting out of time here, but one of the things that I remember when Warlords of Drenner came out, I was more excited about the possibility of like we were getting an alternate Draenor that where things had changed and they didn't, you know, they didn't invade to the dark portal or they did, but they invaded us instead of like what they had in the past. It it was one of those things where you think about too much and makes your head kind of hurt. But I always was like super excited about the idea of, okay, so this means there's an Azeroth 30 years ago where Mm -hmm. the horde doesn't show up. What does that they look just, like? Yeah. What is the Medivh with Sargeras in him of that world doing? Like, you know, he's like, he's like, where's my army of invading orcs for my plan? I, I, you know, what, what's going on on that world? Like, does, does it, does, do we get like a, I guess Lane Rin doesn't get killed. Um, that, you know, that Stormwind doesn't get burned down. They, they don't go running up to Lordaeron for help. The, the elves never join the Alliance, which is never formed. Kalimdor doesn't get discovered. Like, what's that world look like? I, I, I was so excited about the possibility of that. That's why I think I'd love if they went with Liz's idea of going a thousand years in the future. But it's an all it's it's a we go there, but we can still go back to our world. It's effectively an alternate Azeroth a thousand years in the future. I'd be okay. With that, that would be that would be really cool because then you could get to see this is what might happen. Okay, we have to go back to our time now. Like maybe that you stay in that Azeroth for that whole expansion. Of course, we're still going to hearth back to Stormwind for like selling stuff, but in the fiction of the of the expansion, we stay in that world until we can figure out a way to get home. But then for that expansion, we get to see this brave new world where like the Horde Alliance is currently fighting the Cenarian Enclave. Uh, you know, just cool stuff that is completely different. I, I'm I am down for that. I would like to see that. But yeah, um, I guess that covers that. Uh, either you guys have anything else you want to say on this one before we move on? No, I just want to know what happened with Velen. It's been a while. He's I been drinking. Ve- I miss Velen. Liz? No, that's. I think we covered it. All right. Uh, we are some a couple of emails, but we're not going to be able to get to them. So we're going to push them f- to next week as we do. Or Joe will take them for lore watch, even though they're not lore questions, Joe. 
I mean, I'm totally uh, going to. This is what's going yeah. to happen. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this thank is you guys. War. If you've got a question for any of the podcasts, you can send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with subject line podcast of blizzard watch for this show or put in the name of the other podcast like for instance some of you've been sitting in tavern watch questions and that's super cool and we want to encourage that because we've got a tavern watch coming up this week this month too um keep that uh, in mind yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be on an off date it's gonna be on a thursday afternoon yeah so keep that in mind we're gonna be doing that too so yeah lots of stuff happening uh but if you have a question and you don't want to do the email route you can of course go to our q our patron q and podcast questions channel uh or our Q questions channel on our discord and you can ask it there as well. Um, Joe's got a little spiel. So I'm going to toss it over to him. I do. Blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience. Thank you, Joe. Uh, and again, guys, we support the employees of Activision Blizzard and everything that they're doing to try and make a better and more inclusive workplace for everyone involved. Uh, we're really glad to see them pull out a win this week, and we want to see the company move forward in a progressive direction. That's that's all really great. We support them unequivocally. And if you have been listening to the show, um, thank you guys very much. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be back next week. 